Heavy metals. This is a topic that we've been talking about on Ask Dr. Gill podcast. But the question comes up, how do you test for heavy metals? What are effective as well as accurate ways of looking at it? Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk about a somewhat controversial type of testing called hair analysis. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk about how hair analysis works and why the bad rap that it gets in some circles isn't really accurate. So stay tuned. Dr. Gil Winkleman, and this is Ask Dr. Gil. Today in the program, I want to talk about hair analysis, and I've alluded to hair analysis on some other podcasts. And you know, it's it's one of these things that we can do that can be highly effective and informational as far as understanding what's going on in the in the body, and. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, hair analysis has kind of been dismissed by mainstream medical community, although there are some MDs, uh, in particular Dr. Lawrence Wilson, who is a big proponent of, of hair analysis, and uh, Dr. Walsh, who you know has done the Walsh Protocol that I've talked about, is also a proponent about it, and he and I have talked about sort of the way different tests work and the research and so forth. Interestingly enough, I mean, hair analysis is, is, you know, at least 40 years old. It's very much used in uh, other sciences, you know, for example, in, in kind of archaeological, anthropological sciences. Hair analysis is highly, highly uh, used, including metal analysis of hairs to kind of understand environmental issues and, you know, thousands, hundreds or even thousands of years ago. But for some reason in the mainstream medical community, it's kind of scoffed at, you know, as an analysis. And uh, when I was preparing for this podcast, as well as another talk I had done on hair analysis, I learned that back in the 70s, there are some studies done on whether hair analysis is, is accurate. And uh, th- there was different comparisons of, of the hair analysis procedure as well as the equipment that was used. And the way it works is that the hair is taken and it's basically sent through a spectrophotometer. Well, what they found is back in the, this is a, a study done in the 70s, is that actually washing the hair could lead to inaccurate results. Washing the hair right immediately before the the uh, running it through the spectrophotometer. And the thought process behind this was that, you know, there was contaminants within the water that was affecting uh, the, the readings. And kind of the way that some of the labs say is, is that uh, you want to collect the hair sample between a four and 24 hour window of washing the hair. Now, the people who do wash the hair, and there's other labs that say, doesn't matter because we're going to wash it anyway. They, their 
argument is that, well, if you don't wash the hair right away, you're getting contamination from the environment. And the reality is, is I think both are, are potentially right. And this is sort of the, the idea behind this. Now, that all being said, that can happen in the blood too. So you could do a blood analysis and it can be, you know, affected by what you've eaten that day or the day before, or, you know, you know what's going on in the air and your air quality as well. So that's always uh, the capability. And, and in fact, I've actually compared results from the wash immediately or wash four hour to 24 hour window. And actually talked to Dr. Walsh a little bit about this. And I think at this point, it doesn't really matter. I think that the lab that's washing has found a way to wash it in a, in a distilled base. And so that, that changes it so there's no metals in it. And basically the equipment is so sensitive now that it can weed out anything that, that, that isn't quite the right, you know, um, if it's on the surface as opposed to into the, the hair follicle itself. So that's less of an issue, and I don't think that the mainstream medical community has caught up on that. So in case you're wondering, uh, that, that's my take on hair analysis, and I found hair analysis to be incredibly helpful for my patients, and really the proof is, is how do they respond to the treatment as a result of the hair analysis, right? So for me, I started doing that, you know, three, four years ago. I started uh, doing the hair analysis, doing a treatment plan in response to that, and patients get better. And, you know, that's, that's the key thing. That's my goal. Is my, my goal is for, is for patients to have improved health as well as preventing future problems down the road. So the hair analysis is part of that. And I think that the other critique of the hair analysis is kind of that it, it has to do with the physiology. So, so, you know, strictly speaking, when you do a blood test, you're basically looking what's going on in the body. And, and if, you, if you take it from that perspective, um, hair analysis may or may not be accurate. Let me give you an example of that. So, you know, let's take cholesterol. So a lot of people just look at a number and they're basically saying, is it high or is it not high? And if it's high, we're going to give you a statin drug. And that's kind of the idea behind most uh, medical tests. Hair analysis, though, isn't quite that simple. So you can't just look at a number and say calcium is high, therefore, you know, give the opposite of calcium or magnesium is low, give magnesium. It's a little, it's a little more complicated than that. And really in the blood tests, we have a few clues like that. And one of the clues, for example, is when you look at electrolytes. And so in blood, there's four electrolytes. There's sodium, potassium, carbon dioxide, and chloride. And we actually look at the value of those in different ways. And one of the ways that we can look at it is the sodium to potassium ratio is meaningful as a ratio, not just the absolute levels. It's rare, unless someone is really sick, that the sodium or the potassium is out of range. But the ratio is often out of range. And generally, that tells us that something's going on in the adrenal glands. And so you can kind of look at that, and you can look at the glucose number, and you can look at a few other numbers, and kind of infer things from the blood test. Now, most MDs don't do this, by the way. This is something that 
used to be done, but it's sort of fallen out of favor now, even though it's still scientifically been shown that that's, that is the case. And it's unfortunate, and I think it has more to do with time than anything else, because it actually takes time to kind of go through this. Uh, with the hair analysis, that's exactly what you're doing. You're looking at the ratios first of, of the different constituents. So according to some of the research, when you look at the hair analysis, you want to see the, a normal quote-unquote ratio of calcium to magnesium, which actually gives us an indication of a, a number of things, but in particular the, how the thyroid gland is doing, and also the sodium and the pota potassium levels. And again, that's going to give you an indication of how the adrenal glands are doing. Now, one of the issues that uh, critiques about hair in terms of, uh, of the analysis is that the question is, is, well, why are these constituents in the hair? Because the hair is basically a waste product. And that's a, a really good point. The thing is, is that the body does excrete a certain amount of nutrients and, and electrolytes and heavy metals through the hair. That is going to happen. It's just not the pathway we want to be seeing this done. Okay, so we're talking about parts per million, in effect, for these different uh, constituents. In in some cases, sometimes it's parts per thousand, and and it's it's understanding after all of this analysis of what we see in healthy human beings, what the ideal ratios are. So. That's the, that's the first thing that we do. So we'll look at calcium, magnesium, and sodium and potassium. And from that, we get an idea of how well the patient is, how quickly or slowly they're burning food up. And, and we, it's called an oxidation rate. Once we have that, then the rest of the nutrients that we're looking at begin to make sense. So if those are all normal, and everything's normal, then you know there's nothing out of balance. Now, by the way, I've never seen one of those, but of course, I haven't tested healthy people. I'm just going on faith that the research done and sort of the way the data has been compiled has been compiled correctly. So, and that's true with any test, um, by the way, uh, whether it's blood, hair, urine, stool, and so forth. So, so once we, so we look at that, and then we're going to start looking at um, what the nutrients are other metals that we want to see. So in, in particular, iron, manganese, copper, zinc, uh, uh, selenium, chromium, and phosphorus. So those metals, we want to see a certain, you know, value for each of them. And again, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, there's a zinc-copper ratio that's ideal in the hair as well as in the blood. And um, generally, if in, not in all cases, but generally speaking, if the zinc is high in the hair, it's also high in the blood, and same with copper. So, so oftentimes I can look at these and see see how well someone is absorbing nutrients, or if something else is out of balance for some other reason. And in Portland, unfortunately, manganese is a is a huge toxin in the air, and I think I've talked about this. Um, and I see a fair number of patients with neurological symptoms with really, really high manganese in, in their hair. And in fact, uh, I had a number of patients who came in 
pretty young. I mean, they're in their uh, late 20s, early 30s with Parkinson's-like symptoms. And uh, they, were, they were getting Parkinson's diagnoses. And we tested them, found out that their manganese was really, really high, started moving that out of the body, and all of their symptoms went away. And so we know that manganese toxicity can lead to these types of symptoms. It doesn't lead to it in everybody. I have patients who have uh, pain, uh, you know, nervous nerve pain, idiopathic uh, neuritis type things that is happening, but also from the manganese. And unfortunately, you know, we don't think in terms of the environment enough, I think, in, in our medical field. But hopefully we start thinking in those terms. So that's something else that the hair test would pick up. You wouldn't see that in the blood, most likely, because the body is going to try and get rid of it as quickly as possible. The thing about manganese is, is that you need some in the body. It's just when you get either the wrong form, i.e. the form that's used in industry as opposed to what's used by the body in, in the system, as well as too much of it at the same time. So I'm going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about heavy metals in particular and continue with the hair testing. So stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Gill, and this is Ask Dr. Gill. So if you have questions, by the way, I want to give you the email address. It's info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. And if you're listening to this from iTunes, uh, for sure, you know, check out the website, askdrgill.com. I have lots of great information and um, I also have uh, articles and a mailing list and, and so forth. So if you want to check that out, feel free. So let's talk, we're talking about hair testing. And, you know, the last piece of the hair test uh, is the heavy metals. And the way that most of the hair test companies do this is they divide them into two groups. One is, is the group that we really know a lot about the toxicity and the, the measurements and the values. And, and that would be mercury, lead, arsenic, cadmium, aluminum. I was blanking on the fifth one. Uh, everyone I've tested has high aluminum. And I think it's because everyone I've tested is in Portland and we have a lot of aluminum in this area. Uh, it, it's in the soil. It's probably in the air as a result of, of you know, sort of the smelting. Uh, there's been aluminum plants here in the past and probably still are. And, and so pretty much it's just sort of in our systems. But it, it's never particularly bodaciously high. It's just sort of elevated. So it's kind of coming out. So those five, I, th I think we have a good sense of the accuracy of the hair test. And then there's others that show up depending on the lab that you use. I mean, some of them do strontium or uranium, which I don't think we know anything about. And we're not really sure whether or not those are actually in, in there, um, although I suspect that they could be. 
Uh, some of the labs, by the way, don't even put those values in because they're just like, yeah, it's it's not really understood enough what the values mean as well as whether what, whether that's just sort of background noise. Um, and then also there's lithium, boron, nickel, uh, you know, as some of the others. And th those values are, are potentially um, toxic, but may or may not be. So, um, so that's, those are kind of some of the, 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 the heavier metals and ones that are important to look at. Now, let me talk about the first five, in particular, uh, actually the first four, lead, cadmium, arsenic, and mercury. So when you do a hair test, most of the time people don't show any levels for any of those, but you see signs of stress in the hair test. So the adrenals, for example, the sodium to potassium ratio is off, like bodaciously off, like very, very off. And what generally that means is that the body does have heavy metals and it's not able to eliminate those heavy metals. So one of the things that Dr. Wilson um, talks about and I agree with is that you want to see some heavy metals in the hair analysis because it means that the body is able to eliminate those heavy metals. Now, generally metals like that are eliminated through metallothionine, which is kind of this big metal collector or glutathione, and sent in out through the digestive tract. And so it's, it, it will be in our stool. And that's where we want the bulk of the heavy metals to go. But in, typically what happens is, is that the body can't handle all of the load at once, and some of it will end up going out through the hair. And so that's why you want to see some of it inside the hair test. But but generally, when someone first comes to see me, we don't see any. It's like really, really low. And that means that the body is stressed and isn't able to deal with the heavy metals. So on retest, if, if we time it right, the pa you know, so we do the, the hair test, the patient starts taking appropriate supplements in response to that. And so at some point, what will happen is, is that that the body will start dumping the heavy metals and you'll see a higher level in the hair than you typically see. And you'd also see that the sodium to potassium ratio will still be out of balance, but it will go wonky and it usually reverses. It goes the other way. So typically it's really, really low in both, both cases and then it goes really, really high. And then you retest and it kind of normalizes and the, the heavy metals come back down. And that's typically what we see and it's great when we catch that because the patient can see it and kind of see, oh yeah, this is working. And, and by the way, typically the patient says, I'm starting to feel better as well. And again, that's really the, the key piece. So that's the piece about the hair testing that's really interesting is, is that you can't just look at the one value and say, absolutely, yes, this looks good. You really have to look at the whole picture and kind of get the the, a, a holistic perspective of all of the values in the hair test. And, you know, I kind of liken it to looking at a, a, a 3D picture on a two-dimensional screen and not having the goggles and you kind of have to cross your eyes. And if you do that, you can kind of see the three-dimensional picture. That's kind of what I liken it to. Because that's when I look at a hair test, I'm like, 
kind of trying to see that three-dimensional picture on the two-dimensional sheet. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that it's been so useful in my practice and it's not that expensive. Insurance generally doesn't cover it, but, uh, you know, it's under $100 and it gives so much information for so many people. Um, it's not always the first thing I do, uh, just to let you know. Uh, oftentimes, I will do other sorts of tests first, and it's typically when the patient isn't getting the response that they wanted, either from my treatments or someone else's, that I start to look at this. So it's definitely something that to keep in mind, and, and I think I, I, I joked on the website that I'm the doctor of last resort usually, you know, a patient has come to me, they've been to five or six other doctors who haven't figured out what's going on. And that's a case where I'll do a hair test on the first visit and, you know, kind of get the ball rolling because it's not that the people um, aren't qualified or, or, you know, aren't good at what they do. It's that they haven't looked in the right place. And it's not like I'm going to see something different if I run a blood test. Um, the last thing I just wanted to say real quick about hair tests and one of the great advantages in my mind of it in, in many cases is that, you know, typically a blood test, I mean, except there's, there are a few exceptions to this, but typically a blood test is, is looking at the, what the body's doing at a particular point of time. And so if, you know, for example, you had eggs the day before or three days, you know, for the, the previous three days, your cholesterol might be elevated. Whereas if you if you haven't had eggs, your cholesterol might be normal. And, you know, just doing that one blood test, you, you don't necessarily know that. Well, with a hair test, you're getting basically a three to six month rolling average, depending on how fast someone's hairs grows. So it, it gives us a little more accurate picture of what one's health looks like over the long term, as opposed to a blood test, which is really giving us just a particular point in time. So that's the other thing about the hair test that I think is really important. Okay, so that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this. And uh, if, if you do, uh, please write a review on iTunes. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it, it. It helps, you know, bring me up on the list. And of course, like I said, I already gave you the email address, www.askdrgill.com. And you can check out the website. Uh, thanks for listening. And... I will talk to you guys next time. Take care.